Whoever this person is, he has played World of Warcraft nearly every hour of every day for the past year and a half. Gentlemen, we are dealing with someone here who has absolutely no life. How do you kill that which has no life? Who is this? This is the guy that kept killing us last night after you went to bed. Get out of here, asshole! He's a way higher level than us. It isn't fair. It's all right. He can't kill us unless we agree to duel. I don't play World of Warcraft. Butters, you said you're on your computer all the time. Yeah, but I'm playing Hello Kitty Island Adventure. Butters, go buy World of Warcraft, install it on your computer, and join the online sensation before we all murder you. Oh, oh, all right, all right then. Randy, you're working on that sediment analysis? Not now, Nelson. I just joined a big party of night elves, and we're going to explore the Tower of Azora together. Is that a computer game? No, Artard. It's an MMORPG. These are real people I'm playing with. See? I'm a hunter, level two. I can chat with all these other people. I can even wave to this guy, see? Hello. In the outside world, I am a simple geologist. But in here, I am Falcorn, defender of the Alliance. I've braved the Fargo Deep Mine, defeated the Bloodfish at Jared's Landing. Oh. Hmm. Looks like that guy just killed you. What? Why? Why? And that was our feature joygasm moment of the week. This being the South Park Make Love, Not Warcraft, which came out, I believe, about nine or ten years ago. Is that right? That's right, right. So, and of course, this was one of the the big episodes of South Park. I mean, South Park has been around for quite some time now. And this one in particular, though, really it resonates with both the gaming community, but also just the folks who are not hardcore gamers just because it was such a, a well thought out story behind uh, Warcraft and, and more specifically the world of Warcraft, which when it came out, it was just this huge sensation, that sort of thing. And what did you what did you think about this particular episode, Steve? Well, that's, this is kind of an episode where everyone has to kind of laugh at each other and laugh at themselves, you know, because as a gamer, you get so heavily involved in your game. You're like, yeah, I'm the man. And then you carry on the rest of your life and no one cares what kind of man you are, hmm. you know, and then you have to go back home. It's kind of like this tug of war. You go in the game, you feel awesome. You go about your daily life. You don't feel as awesome. And then when we watch this, we laugh at everything. And I don't think you have to be a, a, a Warcraft gamer in order to appreciate just the more of the semantics of just what they're poking fun at. But I do think that for you and I, we've talked about this multiple times, different friends who have asked if we played the game and we both have not. We intentionally steer clear of it, not because we're not interested or anything like that. You know, not even close. It's because we know that we would probably literally turn into how the South Park kids turn into as they've been playing the game forever, trying to level their characters up and just kind of ignoring their, the simple sleep and hygiene habits and that sort of thing. Or we would just turn into he that has no life. That's true. In which case we too could be uh, semi-nude bards that gyrate in front of people before we yeah. stab them. You know, there when Blizzard had one of their conferences and they have their cosplay get up and people come on stage and they brandish their costumes. Somebody came on stage 
wearing like his cardboard desk and the same exact attire. And on the desk, it says he that has no life. And the crowd went nuts. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. It touches, it touches upon pop culture that is everyone can get behind. I think that that's what's really fun about it. And South Park has such a, a natural organic way of just being able to do that, not just for gaming, but also anything that's going on, whether it's in politics or news or it's in gaming or movies or celebrities, whatever it may be. I think that's one of the many qualities of that show. And they're just, <laughs> they're so unapologetic in their approach, Steve. And that's part of the magic, right? It is indeed. Nobody's safe from Trey Parker and Matt Stone. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I am Russ Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve Xbox Live Stevevich. And the force is with us in episode 150 today, December 6th, 2019. We have a number of different things that I, for one, am looking forward to sharing with you, Steve, as well as all of our lovely listeners. Gaming news has YouTube easing up on video game violence and a possible Resident Evil 3 remake leak, Steve. Just because you guys couldn't see it, one of his eyebrows went up <laughs> oh so briefly on that one. Movie news features our Black Widow and James Bond No Time to Die trailer impressions. Our topic of the day is our Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order impressions, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamp located in this episode's detailed section of iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Otherwise, you just keep it right where it's at. Steve. Yes, Russ. I cannot believe it's December. It is, in fact, December. It is. And my oh my, there are just a number of different things that... I don't know. I, 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 for one, am quite, I don't know, surprised about, I guess you could say, oh. that there's a lot of surprise going on, Steve. Okay. I think I'll go first this time. You go ahead and go. Excellent. So in my neck of the woods, Steve, there's a number of things. First of all, <laughs> we got that part. Call of Duty. <laughs> Call of Duty multiplayer, Steve. I think that I have said this on on the podcast in the past. What did I just say? Podcast in the past. Okay. Oh my goodness. And it, it did rhyme. It rhymed. I was thinking, did I just say the same thing? Say that five times fast. <laughs> podcast in the past. Podcast in the past. Podcast in the past. Oh, very good. That was only three times. But. Well, anyway, what I was going to say is, is that we typically don't play the multiplayer component mm -hmm. of Call of Duty because we're just not very good at it. Yeah, we suck. And the thing about it, though, is that it's not that we suck at first-person shooters because we're actually pretty competent at first-person shooters. Right. It's just when it comes to Call of Duty, for, for some reason, we suck. <laughs> However, I am very happy to report, Steve, that this particular Call of Duty multiplayer game is fun. Mm. And it's something that I think you would oh. also get a kick out of. And I know that you haven't finished the story mode yet. So I would actually, I recommend you getting this Call of Duty game. So not only can you finish the story campaign yourself, but also have us traverse the, the online maps of multiplayer goodness. Mm. And I think that you will be happily surprised as to how much it has changed. And what's interesting is I have found out they implemented a new algorithm that more closely matches players' skill levels 
which has angered some of the COD players, or COD, I guess I could say, in the gaming community. And that makes a whole lot of sense because apparently the up until now, the algorithms that they had in place was just, they, they would literally, like if you had a person who was level 47 or 150, it didn't matter what level they were at in COD. And that, like, so let's say, for instance, that's the only game they play and they've logged hundreds of hours of gameplay into it. They would match that person with a person who was just starting out, who was maybe was like their first foray into the multiplayer feature of COD. So they don't have any idea what the map layout is like or how the weapon loadout structure works or anything like that. And thus they would just be destroyed time and time again. I am shocked that they let that go on for so long because people like you and I are used to having more of this structured matching where like if we're playing Halo, for instance, the game matches us up with other folks of similar skill levels. It's not going to match us up with someone who's like a grandmaster level or whatever, because it's just no fun. So I think it's interesting too, how some of the, the hardcore COD players are upset about this change, but I'm thinking why on earth? Like the only thing I can think about is you enjoy just decimating some of those hapless newbies on the field, but ultimately that can't be as rewarding to you as say, for instance, you're in a, a white knuckled match with people who are of similar skills. And then if you win, it feels like something that was well-deserved and earned. So Steve, will you be getting that game? Yes, I will. Well, I think I said back when we were talking about uh, COD battle Royale that I wouldn't be picking that one up because I'm interested in the, in the story. Yeah. And if multiplayer was part of the game, then awesome. I would explore that. But I'm really a, a story-driven kind of guy. Yes. And so this one is now story-driven. And yes, it is on my Amazon list. Every time I boot it up, too, I'm reminded of like how good the graphics are. Well, you could say that, Russ. You have the, the One X. I just have the One. Well, but I could also say that you have the 4K, and I do not. That's true. 4K TV. Right. Well, I will be very excited to be able to have you join me in the online foray. Not to mention the fact that there are a couple of our other friends who have purchased the game recently and also are online. So perhaps we'll have the makings of our own little posse. (laughs) So I also started playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which I'll go into more detail when we get to the topic of the day. But I can say just right off the bat, what is very crazy to me is the notion that I wasn't going to actually purchase this game. Right. And I'm so glad I ended up purchasing it. So more on that later. I also ended up getting Mortal Kombat 11. But you already had that one, though. You had it on the I Xbox. had Mortal Kombat 10, not 11. I thought you had 11. No. I have Mortal Kombat 10 on the Xbox One X. And uh, in addition to that, Steve, I also got Death Stranding. And... I have barely put time into it. I, I've just started out. I, I got through about the first hour of the game. Uh huh. I are like you, it so far. Are you still carrying the baby? Have you got the baby? I have not received the baby yet. Have I you, am babyless. So are you outside yet? I am outside. Uh, <laughs> are you walking around aimlessly? I, I am. I'm walking around. And what's crazy about it is, okay, so... This was a game that when it was first announced and everything, I was really excited for. And upon seeing some of the initial 
trailers for it. I was super pumped and that sort of thing. And then when they started showing the gameplay, then all of a sudden I got really concerned and started to lose interest. And then I was at the point where I just wasn't going to get it. But then the reviews came out and there were like these conflicting reviews where some people were loving it and some people were not liking it at all. And so that kind of put me in a quandary because I'm thinking, okay, clearly this isn't like a game that everybody is across the board thinking is a, a bad approach to gaming or anything like that. And so what ended up happening was my good old friend Brad had a discount code, a coupon code. A coupon. Exactly. And I was able to actually make a purchase of Death Stranding and Mortal Kombat 11 and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And essentially the coupon was so good, it was basically uh, buy two, get one free. So nice. it was pretty cool. So that's how all of that came about. But Death Stranding, I, I'm pleased to report so far, I don't find anything bad with it yet. Now, that may change 10 to 15 hours of gameplay from now. I have no idea. But I really am impressed with the visuals thus far, just in terms of being outside, you're walking around. The, I mean, the landscape is pretty incredible when you're looking at it. And I think it would look even more incredible on a 4K monitor. But... Um, the UI itself is also just a, a really neat approach to kind of a futuristic UI. So more on that as I play along, Steve. But I think it'd be interesting to see if you end up giving it a shot as well, what your thoughts would be on it. So we'll just have to, we'll have, we'll have to see how that one pans out. How have you been progressing? Or do, I, let me ask you this. Did you ever figure out how to save your game in Lunar? No. No. Well, and, and to be fair, okay, so I haven't had much time to actually sit down and mess with it. I've been playing these other console games, and then, of course, with the, with the other kind of daily tasks and responsibilities that a father and husband have, I have not had a chance to sit down with it. I'll have to get back to you on that one, Steve. Hmm. Let you know about it. Hmm. I also watched the episodes of The Mandalorian, as well as Disney Imagineering and The World According to Jeff Goldblum. You watched all of them? I have not seen the most recent one of Jeff Goldblum, but I have I have watched all the episodes. I'm really happy that you made time for me. Now, um, now, now you need to watch this. You need to uh, caress uh, the play button with your thumb, not your pinky, your thumb. And, uh, just enjoy the quirkiness of uh, uh, what I bring to the table. <laughs> under, under the table, <laughs> of course. <laughs> or on uh, on the side of the table. Yeah, you may think the table has turned, but, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to get a knock on the door and Jeff Goldman's going to be like, hi, guys. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, Jeff. Hey. <laughs> Would you like to join us for a little <laughs> podcasting? You want to pull up a mic? So We don't have one, actually. Never mind. I'm still really happy with my Disney Plus purchase, my subscription. The Mandalorian is a lot of fun. It's probably one of my favorite shows on Disney Plus. I do, I have not seen, so, so you know, of course, the, the new episodes dropping um, Friday and that sort of thing. But up until this point, there have been a lot of, of um, different aspects to the show that I've, I've really appreciated. 
the most recent episode I thought was not quite as good as the, the previous episodes. And I'm talking about episode four, I believe. It wasn't bad or anything like that, but there was definitely something where I was like, eh, I just, I, I prefer kind of the, the tone of episodes one, two, and three a little bit more so than episode four. But we'll see. We'll see how it continues going. It, uh, it is, man, it feels a whole lot more like the Star Wars world that I know and love. And that's a very good thing. And of course, you are welcome to come over here and continue watching it with me, Steve. Well, I'll tell you, Baby Yoda has taken social media by storm, it seems. It really has. It is everywhere. And you, I don't think you saw Baby Yoda from the first episode, did you? I did. You did? I okay. did. I couldn't remember if it was just a silhouette or if it was like, oh, hero shot Baby Yoda. It was there. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit overwhelming. It's like everywhere you look, it's like, Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda. It's like, okay, yeah, you're, don't don't oversaturate it. Don't, don't take the magic out of it by being absolutely obsessed over all these little Baby Yoda memes and stuff. Just, just you know, leave it to the show. Enjoy it. <laughs> Disney Imagineering is actually probably, if I had to choose, is probably my absolute favorite show to watch just because I'm fascinated with a lot of the history of Disney as well as how they go through and they capture just the stages. The show itself is one giant timeline that started out with Walt Disney building Disneyland, but then it goes into like episode two where they focus on the building of Disney World and Epcot Center. Then they go into focusing on the building of... I think it was like Disney Japan. And then there was another one, another episode that has Disney uh, Paris or Disney. I think it's what it's not Disney France. I think it's Disney Paris. And then they go into talking about the different CEOs that have come and gone and some of the, the focuses they made, the impacts they made, some of the mistakes that they made. And they cover some of the, the engineering behind the big rides that we have come to know and love. And so it's, it's really cool to be able to sit down and just, it's like an hour long. You just watch it and it's a continuation of where the last one left off. And I for one hope that there are several more of these. I'm not sure how far they're going to be going, but count me as happy with that one. Nice. There was also a standalone show called a day at Disney or something, or one day at Disney, I think is what it's called. It just got released, I think, yesterday or the day before, and it's not a series. It's just a, a standalone show. But again, it's this behind-the-scenes look at some of the employees or how, how they call themselves cast members. And it's cool because you'll have like a 2D animator that they'll talk to. They'll have uh, a person who is part of the, the Disney uh, performing arts that will talk about some of the stuff that they do behind the scenes and a few others, you know, I've been watching so much Disney plus and especially with the Imagineering with the one day at Disney. Oh, before I forget my friend, Greg Smith is actually in that show one day at Disney. And it's crazy because he did, he doesn't work for Disney. He works over at legacy effects, which used to be Stan Winston studios. And he was actually in, they were discussing the Captain America armor because one of the, the other employees who they were talking about and featuring was um, Marvel Studios head of development, Ryan Minerding. And he either, there's a, a little clip in there where it shows him talking to Greg about the Captain America suit. And he's just sitting there and I ended up texting him. I was like, dude, I just saw you on Disney Plus. He's like, oh, that's awesome. I was wondering when they're going to release that. So pretty fun. I had to sign a waiver and I, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so what's new with you, Steve? 
Well, I forgot if I told you last time, Russ, but after Frozen Dose... Uh, you wrote the script for Frozen 3, didn't you? I did. No. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, big brawny guy, UFC fighting. Um, <laughs> someone gets their nose broken. A lot more fighting. <laughs> and then we throw in some Lord of the Rings. Anyway. <laughs> the cave troll versus a goblin. Oh, man. <laughs> and then muscle cars. Anyhow. So... I and the wife needed to see something more grown up. Grown up. I mean, I forgot if I told you this, Russ. Forgive me if I did. I'm sorry. She hadn't seen Pulp Fiction. Has she just not seen many movies at all? Well, she has. Just not some of those movies, Russ. Uh-huh. Some of the classics. My goodness. Well, better late yeah. than never, I must say. Right. So that brought us right up to our ages. <laughs> <laughs> was she entertained? Yes, she was. Did she want to watch it again sometime? Yes, she did. Who was her favorite character? Well, I don't know that, Russ. Royale with cheese. Um, that was a great scene. Actually, yeah, she did like a lot of Samuel Jackson stuff. And she's like, is that John Travolta? I'm like, yes, that is. Back in his, I wouldn't say necessarily prime, but definitely during his heyday. Yeah. But uh, yeah, hey, she, she, that's definitely, my day. she definitely liked Samuel L. Jackson's that's a tasty burger performance mm-hmm. indeed yeah definitely iconic right there's a, actually several characters in that film I felt were iconic I mean John Travolta's character was iconic right Uma Thurman's character was very iconic as well right it's very good now uh, we also I saw so I rented a couple movies one of yeah, I, I I rented Johnny Mnemonic I was gonna say I rented Johnny Appleseed <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see Johnny Demonic? <laughs> I did. That's the Keanu Reeves film. And they actually, if I remember correctly, they used 3D Studio Max, a 3D application for the special effects in that film. Yeah, Russ, that film. Um, Very young Keanu Reeves. It, that film did not age well. I wouldn't Russ. think it would. Now, the movie came to me. In Blu-ray form. I thought you were saying, in a vision, as I was eating a donut. <laughs> and drinking coffee. <laughs> and t- picking up toe jam. Uh, <laughs> I was scratching an itch in between the toe jam and toe crud. <laughs> when all of a sudden, I thought to myself, Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> this is awfully mnemonic. <laughs> So uh, it came to me in a Blu-ray, and I threw it in the Xbox to watch it, and the resolution was so bad. It was like worse than regular DVD. What year did that movie come out? I think it was like 92, if I'm not mistaken. 90-something. It was a little while ago. I was going to guess mid-90s. So that movie, they still have it in 4 by 3 aspect ratio. It's not even in widescreen. Right. And I got it on... Freaking Blu-ray. If you recall, Steve, the widescreen TVs started to make their debut at places like Best Buy around 1994, 1995. I know. However, they have formatted movies to be widescreen. Case in point, the other movie I watched was... Requiem for a Heavyweight, which came out, I think, in 1962. I thought you were going to say Requiem for a Dream. No. I think that's probably what you would thought because uh, that's the first thing everybody thought. Requiem for Belly Button Lint. 
So uh, even that movie, as old as it was, uh, you can still get it in widescreen. So no excuse. They were just lazy. But anyhow, that movie was extremely low budget. I was in, I was appalled how low budget that movie was. It is crazy low budget. Well, I, I think it has to do with the fact that it has not aged very well uh, because for its time, a lot of the visual effects in there were causing people to talk quite a bit about it. Well, are you sure? They're, the uh-huh. only like visual effect they had was the dude pulling off his thumb and having a laser that he could whip around. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. And then, like, the one scene where he's trying to diagnose what whatever data is in his brain, and he's all kind of computer affecty, and you see some squares and polygons and VR hands. Yeah, if you recall, back in the mid-'90s, that was when computer graphics was just getting off the ground. Jurassic Park came out in 1993. Well, that was a huge leap forward. Well, yeah, and it was, and but I mean, I think of other films that had some of the the CG effects going on that was still very new to the industry, and so when you watch it today, you're thinking, yeah, that, that's pretty basic. Um, but I saw it. Um, I remember seeing the trailer back in the day, and that was supposed to be like a big blockbuster movie, and it just did. When I watched it, it just did not seem blockbuster ish. At all. Ah. Anyway, the story was was pretty cool, and I uh, like Keanu Reeves, and they were trying, and I get it, and I can, I you know, I'm trying to get into the old cyberpunk thing, you know, four months early. Wait for that game to come out. <laughs> when did that game come out? February, April, Russ. April, April. Are you sure? Uh, I thought it was February. I remember. Maybe I'm thinking Final Fantasy VII remake. Siri, what? Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> when does cyberpunk? Oh, jeez. Oh, when geez. does cyber? Oh, sorry, <laughs> I forgot. Oh I have gosh. to stay quiet. When does cyberpunk release? The cyberpunk educator was released January first, two thousand four. Oh, the cyberpunk educator! Useless. I had no idea. Gosh. Okay, hold on. I feel so much more informed now. When does cyberpunk for the Xbox release? I found this on the web. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, anyway, I'll figure that out. Um, anyhow. Anyhow. Well, you know, I, I went ahead and just typed. I used my fingers, my digits. Sure. My appendages. Right. My extra, what is it? Not extrament, because that would come out of my booty. April the 16th. That's right. Uh-huh. April the 16th, 2020. I was right. You realize that for all, the entirety of next year, Anytime that the year comes up, I am going to yes. tap into my inner Barbara Walters. Yeah. So other than that, I was also playing Star Wars. And <laughs> I I actually was I got back into the Outer Worlds and finally left the planet. Congratulations. Thank you. And that is basically what's new with me. Well, fantastic, Steve. I'm thrilled to hear. Shang right back into gaming news. We got a couple of articles here. First one is a bit interesting to me. New YouTube policy eases up on video game violence. In a new support blog post on Google, the company announced that starting on December 2nd, 2019, quote, 
Scripted or simulated violent content found in video games will be treated the same as other types of scripted content, end quote. Future game videos that include scripted or simulated violence have a better chance of getting approved instead of receiving an age restriction. Age-restricted videos are often age-gated, making them harder to watch. These rules should make it easier for content creators to publish videos that include violent scenes from video games without getting their video age-restricted. This comes at a time when Google is making deeper inroads into gaming thanks to projects like Stadia and YouTube Gaming. What do you think about that little chestnut, Steve? Well, Russ, you know, I think on Facebook, when anybody can say anything is too violent or not violent, that you it kind of competes with each other because on YouTube, they're saying, oh, you have to be age-restricted to see this because somebody in YouTube felt like, well, they need to be age-restricted. When, in fact, it might be the case or might not be the case, you know? So, yeah, yeah a little bit looser tolerance is probably a good idea. I do think it's pretty convenient though, just considering the fact that they have stepped into the gaming space because I think they've had a pretty strict guideline when it comes to having video game videos posted that are a bit violent. But now that they have a stadia that got launched, suddenly they're like, well, this kind of ties directly into our YouTube because clearly we want to also share people playing video games on Stadia on our platform. And so perhaps we can take a second look and ease up on this. My thoughts on it, um, I I feel conflicted about it just because on the one hand, I'm glad that they're easing up on some of this. At the same time, I do think they need to be surgical about it as they move forward because clearly there are certain games that are more mature in nature. And I just don't think that smaller eyes need to see some of that stuff. Oh, sure. That's why we even have the ESRB to begin with in the first place. What were you going to say? Here's my thing is that when YouTube was tightening down the noose on all this age restriction stuff, it had a lot to do with advertisers. Mm. Because advertisers like, hey, we don't want to show our stuff on ABC channel. Yeah. And so with Google Stadia and everything, blah, blah, blah. I wonder if they're going to say, like, well, hey, um, uh, what do you think now? It's very true. It's very true. Well, I think also as they're able to assign different types of advertisements to videos that actually make sense. I mean, it's it's nothing crazier out of this world. It's what television does all the time where, like, you have a show. Like, if you have, like, a if you're watching football, for instance, they are going to advertise, like, beer commercials, for example, because they know a lot of the folks who like football like beer. Like, they're not going to showcase something for, I don't know, Alzheimer's. (laughs) They save that for something like the news or whatever. Anyway, Resident Evil 3 remake cover art leaked on the PlayStation Network. GameStat.com, a website that tracks data added PSN via the system's API, has revealed that three Resident Evil games have been added to the Japanese data banks. One is Project Resistance, the already announced co-op multiplayer game, but two are for Biohazard RE3 or Resident Evil 3. Consider this, though, a rumor until Capcom confirms or denies the information. Are you excited at the possibility of a Resident Evil 3 remake, seeing as how you made your way through Resident Evil 2 yeah. remake this year, Steve? Yeah, I'm 
excited, but I mean, Resident Evil 3 didn't have as much of an impact on me. I mean, I don't really remember much about Resident Evil 3. That was the one with uh, that huge creature that said stars. Is that right? Uh, no. Stars. 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 Which, which Resident Evil was that? I thought that was two also. No, uh, it no, it wasn't two. Uh, you just played two. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was, but I mean, I don't remember a lot of the levels. I don't remember a lot of what happened in that one, Russ. I see. I see. We'll may, have to may, maybe it might be nice to go back down memory lane with it, Russ. There, there, you, mean? there you go, Steve. So, segueing into movie news, we are going to dedicate this segment to watching two trailers that dropped this week. One is Black Widow starring Scarlett Johansson and is supposed to come out, I believe, later in 2020. I believe it's in May of 2020. Let's take a little look-see. Have you seen this yet, Steve? Russ, I posted on Facebook like days ago. Well, I, posting something versus watching something is a bit different, Steve. All right, let's go for secondsies. I used to have nothing. And then I got this job. This family. But nothing lasts forever. You had to leave in a hurry. It's never easy these days. So what are you going to do? I've lived a lot of lives, but I'm done running from my past. I know you're out there. I know you know I'm out here. So we're going to talk like grown-ups? Is that what we are? You too, sis. What brings you home? We have unfinished business. We have to go back to where it all started. Lucky us. One thing's for sure. It's gonna be a hell of a reunion. Still fits. Family. Back together again. You got fat. Yeah, it looks good. It does look good. I, for one, am very happy and excited that Scarlett Johansson is getting her standalone film in the form of Black Widow. And it's a lovely form indeed, isn't it, Steve? Indeed. It's a superhero movie, but it's not a superhero movie, you know? Yeah. And, if I'm not mistaken, uh, our boy, uh, Robert Downey, uh -huh. Junior High, is uh, is going to make uh, an appearance. Is he now? I, he is, I did right? not know that. 
Well, that's really cool. One of my favorite visuals in this is when she's wearing the white snow outfit. Yeah. That is straight out of the comics. It makes me very excited to see that. I actually do not have in my statue collection, a white suit. There was a, a very limited edition white version of the suit. And I don't believe I was able to obtain it. I only have yeah. the black suit, Steve. I only the black suit. Yeah, I don't think you got the white one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also happy too about the, the cast that w- was revealed in the film as well. I think that it's a nice matchup and I am very curious to see what kind of information we get to learn about with regards to her family. And of course, Um, her homeland of Russia. And I want it to have a certain level of intensity. I I hope there's not a whole lot of goofiness if really at all, just because she tends to be a bit more of a, a somber character. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it though. I look forward to sitting in the theater with you and checking it out. David Harbour's in it. Yes. I like him. Yeah, I do too. I think he's a lot of fun. Yeah, he was in Stranger Things. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, nice he was in the Hellboy. Unfortunately, the Hellboy movie was not very good, but I like him as an actor. Yeah. And so it's nice to see that he is still on the move, making all kinds of fun of uh, movies. And the character he plays, it looks like a pretty fun character to get behind and enjoy and stuff. At first, I thought it was like a a red version of the Captain America suit, <laughs> but apparently there's, there's a name of his character from the comic books. Red guardian. Okay. There you go. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we both see eye to eye on that one, Steve. My right eye to your left eye. Oh my goodness. <laughs> your right is my left. <laughs> well, let's take a look at the latest James Bond. No time to die. Trailer. No time to die. Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. The world is arming faster than we can respond. Where's 007? I need a favor, brother. You're the only one I trust for this. The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. The one that works. I thought you two would get along. Name? Bond. James Bond. So you're not dead. Hello, Q. I've missed you. It's the most valuable asset this country has. If you feel yourself losing control, I'm not going to lose. Control. James, you gave up everything for her. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. What is it? I don't know what this is. James Bond. License to kill. History of violence. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. Mine will survive long after I'm gone. History isn't kind to men who play God.
Daniel Craigie. Woo! I must say, I have thoroughly enjoyed Daniel Craig's tenure as Bond. James Bond. Perfect. Have you seen all of the films with Daniel Craig as James Bond? I have. I have not. I've seen all of them except for Spectre. I think it was the one that was before this one. Uh, and I missed it in the theaters. Yeah, I saw that one. I still need to check that out. Maybe I'll, I'll find it. Uh, on Netflix? No. That you don't have? No, on Xbox Live, Steve. The Xbox <laughs> Store. <laughs> yeah. But this entire approach to the James Bond franchise, I thought was such a fresh injection into the arm because James Bond has been around for so long and each each one has a bit of a different type of flair to it. But this one, it, it actually was grounded as a real world accessible bond that you could actually see existing and going and thwarting different types of world disasters and terrorists and evildoers, that sort of thing. But it, it's, it's saying something because when I first had heard that Daniel Craig was cast as James Bond, I was really critical of it. I didn't think that he had the look of what James Bond is supposed to look like. I really loved Pierce Brosnan. I thought Pierce Brosnan was a terrific James Bond. And it's unfortunate that the, like the I think the last two Bond films that he did were a little too cheesy and right. tongue-in-cheek humor. You know, I think it got a little too goofy and silly for its own can't good. Can't do it. Yeah, you really can't do it. But this one definitely realigned itself to more of that origin story, which is awesome showing how bond was not as suave and sophisticated as a lot of uh, the other movies. You know, they, they had already defined who bond was and, and we were introduced into this preexisted world. And so it's been a treat, I think to watch and he's been James Bond, I think since 2006, it's been a while. I think it's, yeah, I think, I think he's done it for over 10 years. Looks like they're taking some liberties too with the new cinematography and maybe droid dro- uh, droid shots, uh, drone shots, Russ. The <laughs> droid. You know, we have this new idea. We're just going to huck our phone into the air and press record, and it'll catch some amazing aerial footage. <laughs> but yeah, I I agree. I well, and, and if you think about all the different films, the cinematography in these James Bond films, as it applies to the Daniel Craig films they all have a very gritty look. The framing and everything of each shot just looks super cool. It's just a very hard and cold and calculated visual aesthetic that I just, I just really love. And apparently this is going to be Daniel Craig's final James Bond film. That's what I hear. Cause the man is, he's not getting any younger, but I mean, he, he looks terrific. Steve, he's like a fine wine. That's true. Well, that's what you stunt doubles for. Well, and that was the thing too, was that I think most of the stunts in the Bond films that he was in, he did himself. Hey, Jackie Chan still does them. So does Tom Cruise. There you go. Man. No excuse. It is a real manly man, aren't they? <laughs> One of the things I really love about that trailer too is at the end of um, the entire setup where you see him in the car and then the little Gatling guns come out of the headlights that part is, of course, really cool, but my favorite aspect to it was the music. I really liked how they mixed in that. Russ, you always like that. Well, when they Steve, I, I love the editing. I love the marketing art. I love the way that they present this stuff as a hype machine. Well, they. what's cool about that, too, is that is one of his cars from James Bond's yes. The Past. So it's nice for him to bring out the old dust off there. Does it make you excited to see the film? It does. Are you going to be 
very much looking forward to that film when it comes out in April. I am. I am too. We are simpatico with both of these films, Steve. It's been a good week. <laughs> it's been a great week. And April's going to be a good month. April, why is that? Why do you say that? April Fool's? <laughs> well, Russ, uh, we got a good movie and a great game coming out in April. Oh, well, of course. Yes. I didn't know exactly what you were referring to there, Steve. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> Brandish your lightsabers. It's time for the topic of the day. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, a video game that came out just, uh, I would say, a few weeks ago, and it is one that I have been playing, Steve has been playing, and just to provide a little more history, oh, not history, kind of a backstory to this, we had seen this game being demoed at E3. And we were both, I'm speaking for you, Steve, as well. So correct me if you disagree with this, this (laughs) assessment. We were both, no, we weren't, Russ. No, we (laughs) weren't. We were in the bath, naked, (laughs) not to mention it was a bubble bath. Bubble bath, thank you. Yes, that's correct. Drinking champagne, watching E3. (laughs) No, uh, so we were watching it and Respawn Entertainment was actually, if, if we go back to E3s, if you recall... Andrew Renee was in the audience of one of the press conferences and she was sitting next to the studio head of Respawn and it was there that he verbally confirmed that they were starting to work on a Star Wars title and that was it. And then fast forward to this past year where they actually had a gameplay trailer of the game and I think that you and I were both underwhelmed by how it looked just looking at the gameplay and what was going on, it just seemed like it was more of a standard run-of-the-mill title in terms of the graphics fidelity and just the tasks that you were assigned to and that sort of thing. And so I don't think either one of us was particularly excited to check it out and play it, not to mention the fact that EA has been in the doghouse as of late when it comes to Star Wars titles. If you recall, Star Wars Battlefront 2 really took a beating due to their pay-to-play, and or not pay-to-play, but pay-to-win uh, loot box setup and that sort of thing. So what was interesting on my end of the spectrum is that I've had more and more friends trickling in via text message and phone calls saying that they had either played the game themselves or they had heard from friends of theirs who had played it and they were all unanimous in saying, I need to give it a chance because they, they really do think that it was, it's, it's a game that I would enjoy. And due to the coupon that I mentioned at the top of the program from our good old friend Brad, I went ahead and picked it up and I was thinking, okay, let's see what this is about. And you and I haven't really discussed this at all amongst each other and up until this recording, 
I want to go first on this because I'm already yapping away here, but <laughs> I'm extremely excited to report that this is a very good game. It's a triple A title. I first and foremost just want to say the graphics for the most part are extremely impressive. I know when I was playing the the very first level when when you start with the game, and I don't know how far you've got. I'm, I'm going to find out from you in just a minute here, but I could not believe what I was seeing. The, the environments were so immersive and had such a on point ambiance that made me feel like I was back in the world not only of Star Wars, but of like the original trilogy star wars in terms of the lighting and the stuff i was seeing that just the 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 overall immersion factor i could not believe what i was seeing and hearing really for that that uh that point but i have been playing the game nonstop, and i would say there are obviously there are certain criticisms i have i think that on certain planets the graphics are not as good as other planets you could tell that they they could have used a bit more polish had they had an additional six months to a year. And I don't think that this game has been in development all that long. And of course there are other things too. Like if you get killed, then the load times are a bit long. I was kind of surprised by that. And there are other things too. I'm sure that, that I'll, I'll run by here and there as we're talking about it, but overall I've been very impressed. But what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, um, it feels like you're you're playing a movie in a sense um, until you get to the platform jumping, which then it kind of feels like okay, I'm back in the game. Uh, but one thing that was that was really startlingly done well is the sound, which yes. I think that brought me in uh, very. I mean, so everyone was going to bed and like oh, I'm gonna see a Star Wars game here, and so I pop it in and I have the volume set to kind of mid to low level. And then I started hearing all the sound effects and I kind of started cranking it up and then cranking it up more and cranking it up more. And the sound is friggin' phenomenal. And I it and is. It's, like it's totally done Dolby style, Dolby digital. And so you're hearing all this stuff coming from the left and from the right. And it's all like a ton of good sounds, metallic sounds, and then a little bit laser sounds, burning, charring. Uh, you hear stuff, um, if there's wind or something else that's get that gets knocked over, you're hearing that kind of crankle over from one side to the next side. So the sound is done very well, and it really brings you in. And uh, I think the, the the character design, at least in the beginning, um, is is done very well. And that, you know what it you know what it seems like is the Star Wars movies that we've had up until now have been for by and large like substandard. And then we have this, and this feels like, okay, this is how it's supposed to feel. Right. You know? Um, so leave it up to Respawn to do what Disney can't. No. <laughs> well, and it's interesting, too. Like, Respawn, of course, they got their start with Titanfall. Right. And then they made the sequel, Titanfall 2. They also made Apex Legends, which we're not into the Battle Royale game type. But I can see that it's a quality game, and it's been doing very well in the, the meantime, especially considering the fact that they're going up against Fortnite and Battleground uh, or Player Unknown Battleground, and I don't even know, like even even Overwatch. There, there there are quite a few different titles that are well. Okay, let me let me let me re let me redact. Let me respawn. Exactly. <laughs> Overwatch is not a battle royale type game. 
So they've been doing those. And I think what's also interesting is how they have been able to tackle different types of genres very well. Like the Titanfall game is there. There is a, an online multiplayer component to it. So you have that kind of run and gun multiplayer first person shooter type deal. And then they start getting into story with Titanfall 2. Apex Legend is more of a, a third person Fortnite type of deal where you're going around and you're, you're fighting stuff, that sort of thing. And then they go to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is a third person action adventure title. And I'm just, I've just been really blown away by their ability to be able to come up with this stuff and do a, a, just a, a really impressive job. You know, you talked about the sound. The music in the game. And I know, actually, before I get into this, how far into the game are you? So I am, I just got past the vault. The vault. And I'm supposed to go back to the ship and do stuff, but I can't explore more. And so I figured I would. Uh huh. Because that's the kind of person I am. Sure. Adventurous, exploratory kind of type. And so that's what I'm doing. I, I need to go back and I need to check out the map when I get back to the ship. I found some stuff to uh, to upgrade my lightsaber. Yes. So anyhow, that's where I'm at. So you're off, you're off the first planet then. You're you are. Yeah. How many planets have you been to? Uh, two. Okay. The music in the game is some of the best Star Wars music I have heard since John Williams did the original trilogy. Especially as you get further into the game, you're going to hear more and more of it as you go and you visit the different planets. What I think is crazy is I have yet to hear some of the main themes from Star Wars. Like, you, you know, the whole... But that's fine, though, because though that was that kind of music was for those movies. It's True. different. But, but at the same time, that is an iconic sound that makes Star Wars Star Wars. I don't think that that is... That, like, that's kind of the battle music, right? But that has not been present in this game so far. And it doesn't matter because the music that is there, the, the uh, it's just tremendous kudos to the the whoever whoever the composer is of the music for this because they were able they were able to recapture the sound art that John Williams came up with that are signature sounds when you hear it it's totally Star Wars and that is no easy feat as we've seen through the different Star Wars films you've had other composers come in and try and do things and the only times that they really stir me emotionally are when they kind of fall back a bit on the crutch of like bringing in some of the tried and true John Williams notes and melodies and stuff. You're like, Oh, okay. There's star Wars. But some of the other stuff, it's like, yeah, it's, it's there. It's, it's, you know, it's not bad, but it's also not just transcending me to a different level. This game has fantastic music. It's, it really is incredible what they're able to achieve. What do you think of the gameplay? Gameplay. I know, I know, you haven't been too far. Yeah, you? I mean, the, the gameplay is fine. Uh, it's a bit lin well. Some plays, sometimes it's linear. Sometimes you can. It gives you the freedom. Um, I, I, it is fun. I think it's. It gets choppy every once in a while, and that might be because I'm playing on the regular PlayStation mm. on a PS Pro. It seems like they make the game uh, maybe with the anticipation of when the next systems come out they'll have a like a DLC where you can get the next gen graphics and everything. So then I think it will look phenomenal and play phenomenal. But um, did you think the first level looked really cool? Oh, it definitely looked cool. So <laughs> when I was loading the game, you have the settings that say, okay, you know, do this until you could see the, the logo. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> then it says, okay, so this game supports HDR. And I thought, 
okay, cool. I know what that is. Russ told me the other day. And so when I was, but the thing is, I thought, okay, cool. But other games like uh, Red Dead Redemption also support HDR, but I couldn't turn it on through the Xbox for some reason, even though I could set it with the TV. But it didn't seem like it really did all that much. So this one, it, it goes through the settings and it says it supports HDR. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I noticed on the top right of my screen, it goes HDR on. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm actually really curious to see how this game looks in 4K because I bet it looks pretty awesome, especially considering I'm playing on 1080p and I'm impressed at what I'm seeing. It, it looks good. It looks good. Now, having said that, there are certain areas of the planets where you're like, yeah, they could have given that. I just, I wish they had more time. You could tell like, like they had everything in place. They probably just ran out of time to put that final like spit shine on it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, I mean, even on the second planet, you're like, okay, this is cool. It could be better. Yeah, definitely could. Uh, I like how you can uh, develop the, your, your ability tree, though. You have yes. a lot more of those uh, going on. It's, it kind of reminds me, in a, in a way, of uh, Castle, not Castlevania. Yeah, Castlevania. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a way, because with all like the wall climbing, you don't have the whip, of course, but you have the wall climbing sure. and a lot of the, 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 the abilities you can get. Uh, it kind of has that a little bit of that essence in it, which is not a bad thing not the, at all. The gameplay itself is a combination of Tomb Raider, Uncharted. I was gonna, yeah, I could see that. Sekiro. And what else? What else can I put in there? Those, those are like the three games that come to mind. I've heard people say say it has a little bit of uh, Sekiro, but I since I don't I haven't really played Sekiro, I can't really say yes. Well, Sekiro. So the idea behind that is mainly in the in the combat mechanics. Sekiro is very much about parrying and attacking and dodging, like knowing when to do it and having the the, the razor sharp fast reactions that not only that you have, but also translate in the controller. I will say that, that in terms of, of star Wars, the, the controls feel a little more loosey goosey than secure. Sekiro is like super tight. I've never seen such precision. Like if I block him, he's instantly blocking or if I'm striking, I'm instantly striking. So it makes it that much more intense, but this has its own kind of intensity to it as well. And in addition to some of the, the, the ferocity when it comes to the combat, the, the the skill tree that you talked about, it's kind of similar to Castlevania. Sekiro also has that as well, where you're going through and, and as you gain ability points, you're able to spin them in different places. You can choose how you want to evolve your character. And it also adopts the, the notion that when you start this game, you are much more of a, a simple character in terms of what you're able to do with the force and your lightsaber. But then as you progress and you unlock more of these skills and you can chain things together, suddenly you're becoming more and more a master of your craft. And suddenly enemies that were more of a challenge for you, as you go back and, and you're, you're fighting them again, they become easier and easier to vanquish because there's just like this, this feeling of accomplishment and mastery over what it is that you're doing. That was something that I had to kind of get used to when it came to Sekiro because, I mean, you remember how hard it was for me when I was first trying the game out. But then by the end of it, I was just dispatching of all kinds of people left and right being like, yeah, let's bring it on. And it just, it, it really makes you feel good. My, my. Wow. It's talking about feeling <laughs> good. That's a feel good sound right there. Exactly. You know what? One thing I wish they would do is what I, what I appreciated in some of the star Wars movies is when they're wielding the lightsaber around and you hear the, the yeah. 
Uh, one of the, I guess, the many boss fights that I, you have on the second world, um, I noticed when I was whipping out a can that... <laughs> <laughs> whipping out what exactly, Steve? <laughs> so... <laughs> you want to check out my lightsaber? So... <laughs> Hey, honey, your shorts is as big as mine. Anybody got some Duracells? Um, so. <laughs> this, this hasn't happened before. <laughs> this is awkward. So when you, I, I wish there was a way that you could kind of um, continue to kind of wheel it around or, or, or throw the lightsaber. Because if he just does one slash and then it's back to like home position. And then another slash and then kind of back to home position. He can't just keep on slishing, you know, slishing and slashing and making Julian fries. You will, Steve. <laughs> you will. <laughs> there, there are several surprises is in there store. So, uh, the perfect example is like in Soul Caliber. Uh huh. When you play Maxi mm-hmm. and he's numbchuck, and there's a way that you can keep on numbchuck, and you're not throwing you know, blows. You know what I mean? You just gotta. Okay, you want to get close? You know, I'm already set. I'm already locked and loaded, sort of thing. That's what I'm kind of looking. So it's not going to be as fluid as Maxi from Soul Calibur, but there, yeah, as you go along and you unlock more abilities, you will have more of that continuation of like your twirling and your and your throwing. Like, like you can throw. There are certain um, changes you can make to your lightsaber that also uh, allow you to have fun with it in different capacities. Not to mention, you can change your lightsaber from one function to another on the fly as ah. you're fighting. So it's very nice. Not to mention, Steve, the force is not to be underestimated in this game. As you unlock more of that, it becomes supremely fun. Like ah. being able to use the force to push hapless stormtroopers off the edge into their demise. Yeah, I heard you could do that. Yeah, I heard you do that. Or, okay. Oh, do you not? Actually, a question for you, Steve. Do you want me to tell you about these things or do you want to discover them on your own? Because I don't want to spoil it for you, Steve. Well, I guess the bigger question is, would you want to spoil it for the audience? That's a good question too. I will not spoil it for you guys. I just want to leave you with the idea that there are several abilities that are supremely satisfying. Now I have to ask you because the story kind of takes off. You, you, you are this kid in a sense, this young adult. Okay. Slightly not as good looking as me. Uh huh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Although with a full head of luscious hair right. that you will never have. Ginger hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so you don't really hear this this dude's backstory. You kind of just pick up where he's going. Right. So do you kind of find out where, where he is? I mean, do you kind of find out a little bit more or you just have to go with it? I have found out a little bit, but he's on this mission. And so for the most part, the plot really focuses on what he's trying to unearth with regards to the the crew that you come across who saved you. So the answer is you don't really. Well, I don't. Like, I don't want to spoil anything. Steve. Okay. So there is a lot of that stuff going on, but I, for one, have been having a lot of fun with the story itself. And you just you feel like you're in the world of Star Wars. I just I like how it's it's taking um, a unique story that has nothing to do with the Skywalker saga. So there's no Han Solo or Leia or anything like that. And I love those characters and I will always be happy to play Star Wars games that star those characters. But this is cool as its own standalone type of game. 
And I just, I love the idea. I'm in this sweet spot right now where I'm able to traverse these different planets and it has, Oh, the other game I, I forgot to mention it while I was making the comparison, how like, it's kind of like there's elements of tomb Raider and uh, uncharted and Sekiro. There's also super Metroid that's in there. And what I mean by that is that there are certain areas that you see and you can't get to, or you can't access. But if you return to that planet with some of the unlocked abilities, then you can access those places and get secrets and additional you know, bonus items and that sort of thing. And not to mention huge swaths of the planet that are now available for you to check out. So that's really rewarding. And um, I think even like the Castlevania game, Lords of shadow that you were talking about earlier, I think it to a certain extent had some of that, not that you really had much of a reason to revisit some of the, I mean, you, you did revisit some of the, the levels, but it wasn't like you were going back and forth constantly. So it's, it's definitely a lot of fun. And I'm at the point, I, I don't even know how far into the game I am. I, I would, I would want to say I'm, I'm at least halfway through the game. Well, if it's going to continue the trend, which seems like it, it, it has the chance to, the first person, not first person, story-driven games. Team, <laughs> Third time's a charm. Seem to only have about 30 hours to them. Yeah. And I hope it has more. Yeah. I'm not really going to complain that much because if we have a great Star Wars game, then awesome. But I, if it if it's only 30 hours, I'd be like, yeah, I kind of wish you had probably longer. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how many hours are in the game. Another thing that I definitely want to talk about are the environments. I know that I've touched upon how some environments, you know, like, like they don't um, have like quite enough polish to them. It would be nice. But having said that, there are other parts to the environments that look exceptional. They're extremely well done, well rendered. And furthermore, even the draw distances, and you've seen this like in the first level where you're seeing those huge Star Destroyer ships getting uh, stripped for parts and that sort of thing. Weren't you impressed at the draw distance? Like if you looked out, like if you, you got to like a, I don't know, the edge of, of some kind of catwalk and you look out and just the sense of scale yeah. is really impressive. And they continue that throughout the other planets that you go and you visit where like you, you stop and you look out and you're like, my goodness, this is really cool looking. That makes me excited. And I think also too, the, the folks who worked on the props for the game and the set dressing, that sort of thing, you can tell that a lot of TLC and attention has gone to how these items should look in a Star Wars universe because it looks just like the original trilogy. And I think that that's the coolest thing about this is that they're, they are, they, they'll take like a few components from like the prequels or whatever, but really the main emphasis of the art direction, you can tell had a, a laser focus on the original trilogy and you can see it everywhere. And it, it really puts me in this world of feeling like, wow, I'm, I'm taking control of yet another character that's existing between episodes three and four. You know, if I had a criticism, I would say that the voice actor who is for the main character. Yeah. Oftentimes sounds like he's talking with gauze in his mouth. Yes. So you're not alone in that. I think that there have been other people who have talked about how for the longest time in the game, the, the character seems to not only have that kind of sound to his voice, but also just appears to be rather vanilla in terms of his character development. 
Having said that, though, I have heard that there is a point in the game where something happens. There's a, some sort of plot twist or whatever. And suddenly, like, this character comes alive. And you're just like, wow, this is really, really cool. I'm not sure if I've gotten to that point yet. I definitely have bonded more with my character. I've gotten more used to just who he is. And I really enjoy the crew that I'm with um, as I've been going through the the game and finding out different um, quirks about their personality as well as, like, how they are involved in this whole thing. Speaking of quirks and personality, you're a little droid that uh, BD-1. Back. BD-1. Get it? Kind of reminds BD, me. like buddy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of my wife's dog. No, Steve. Your wife's dog is a <laughs> chihuahua. This is not a chihuahua. <laughs> it's, it's chihuahua Pomeranian mix. Oh, I had no idea. I thought it was just a chihuahua. Nope. And it reminds me of... The Chihuahua. I, I see. With the eyes and the cuteness and the jumping on you all the time. I like that robot design, by the way. It's cute. You could see it. I could see it coming out as a toy. Yeah. It fits into the, the world. It's like, okay. You know, if you actually, if, you, if it's one of those wind-up toys and it kind of walks, jing, 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 uh-huh. jing, jing, it takes like 10 steps and then just like a, a click and goes, boing, and like flips backward. I could see that happening with that little toy. I, for one, am looking forward to talking to you more and more about this game as you progress through it and you catch up to where I am because there are several moments, too, that are really epic in terms of what you're facing and you're oh, fighting. Oh, yeah. I don't want to don't want to spoil it for you, Steve. Don't oh, want to spoil yeah. it for you. Okay. But, it, but it also makes me look forward to seeing what else is in store for me because clearly I haven't beaten the game. And I don't know if I would necessarily say... Like I don't, I don't think that this will be in the running as game of the year for me for this year. But it's certainly one of the top games of the year, and I think it makes me excited for. I mean, again, I don't, I don't know if this game ends on the cliffhanger or what's going to happen, but I have played the game enough to know that I would certainly like there to be sequels for this title. I'm very happy with the fact that EA has allowed Respawn to make a single player story driven game, not something that's just online multiplayer only. I'm a huge advocate for those single player story driven games. Like you will never be able to replace that. That it's a very exclusive experience unto itself. But imagine a game like this existing on the next gen consoles. That's what I'm saying. That's going to be insane. Insane. Not to mention the fact that Respawn has already created the foundation of their graphics engine and and how this game uh, works in terms of combat and and, uh, environment traversal, that sort of thing. I am super excited to see how the graphics are going to look. I mean, you know how I'm a... I'm a slut for graphics fidelity, Steve. That's gross. I love my, my level of detail to be very high and realistic. I'm a whore for graphics. I'm a graphics whore. <laughs> Not ashamed to admit it. I just like how the controller vibrates when I slide. <laughs> so anyway, um, just to kind of conclude th- this whole kind of impression, I-, I am so happy that I was convinced by my buds to be able to try this game out because I am very happy with it. I think that that while there are certain constructive criticisms I have, such as the load times being a bit long, the checkpoints, you could tell that was another thing that they took from like Dark Souls or Sekiro where like you have little places where you can sit down and meditate and that's sort of like save points. I feel like they're, they're kind of placed in odd places where you have to really make your way through quite a bit in order to get back to where you were before. So I'm not too much of a fan of that. 
But those are, are pretty small gripes when I look at just what as a whole package this game brings. And I'm so pleased that Respawn decided to, to really take a risk and produce something, especially considering that EA has, has owned the Star Wars license now for a very long time, and they've hardly produced any video games with, using the Star Wars IP. And the ones that they have made, like Battlefront is actually, it's a decent game, but it's one that doesn't have a lot of um, gameplay depth. This is, a, but however, when you when you look at Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order, the, the the gameplay and combat depth and everything else is there, and I for one am very happy. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, you know, I well, I think with EA and the criticism they have received with all the microtransactions, I, I think if they came out with another game by the same studio. People will be like, <laughs> so now, now that they had given it to a different studio to make with a different vision and no micro microtransactions as of yet, I think a whole new flavor, a whole new perspective was a good thing. Oh. So are you excited to be able to make your way through this game? I am. Perhaps we can come back to it once we've both beaten it to be able to Reflect on the overall experience. Reflect or meditate. Mm. The force is strong with this one, I can tell. <laughs> Either way, we're going to have to turn it up loud because uh, you're missing half the game if you don't have it up loud. Russell. And I've been having it up loud here too, Steve. I, the sound is sublime. <laughs> that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you all next week.